Hey guys, welcome to Sinister Hauntings. As always, I'm Kelly, your host. I hope you all have had a great week. So I listened to my podcast from last week, the one on the Lalo Ray Mansion. So I tried it. So I edited my podcast, and when I was listening to it, you know, as I was editing it, it sounded good to me. Well, when I went to listen to it on Spotify, I don't know what happened. Um, so I'm still working out the tweaks of how to edit a podcast. Um, oh, there I go with the ums. <laughs> I said I was going to be mindful of those. So yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, anyways, my week has been really good. Not a whole lot. Um, some things going on at my job. Some good things are happening at my job. And I know in the near future, uh, maybe next month, maybe in a couple of months, I am going to uh, be given some added on job responsibilities. Not necessarily, I don't necessarily know, like, if my job title is going to change much. I'm just going to have added on responsibilities, which I was told by my supervisor is a really, really good thing, which I'm pretty excited about, so. But I'm not going to take too much into the introduction. I know some people don't like that, some people do. I like the fact that you're able to get to know me a little bit, but... So we're going to get into today's episode. So today I'm going to talk about what is known today as the as the 1886 Crescent Hotel and Spa located in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. So we're going to talk about this this uh guy. So his name is Norman Glenwood Baker. He was born on November 27th, 1882. He was the youngest of nine children. Uh he was born to John and Francis Baker. His father operated Baker Manufacturing Company in Muscatine, Iowa, and he also held 126 patents. Baker's mother, before her marriage, was a writer. Norman Norman left high school only reaching sophomore year of his education to work as a mechanic in the Muscatine button factory into his early adulthood. Baker invented an automatic button machine, but sadly lacked the finances to develop it. Knowing the huge impact pearl buttons had on Muscatine, Iowa at the time, Baker could have really brought in quite a lot, quite a lot of money and avoid the suffering in the future. Unfortunately, the story was not so for Baker. After seeing a local vaudeville act, Norman was inspired by the mysterious entertainment to organize a traveling group which starred a mind reader and a psychic named Madame Pearl Tangley. The show was said to bring $300 a week, quite a fortune at that time. After a very short marriage of one of his Madame Pearl Tangley actresses, Baker traveled for 10 years only to return to Muscatine in 1914. He then patented an invention he titled titled the Air Calliophone, a portable organ run by air pressure that can be heard loud and clear for a quarter of a mile, commonly used on carousel rides at carnivals or festivals. With the invention of the Air Calliophone, came other ideas. In 1925, he started KTNT, which is known as Know the Naked Truth, radio station located 
on what is now called Mark Twain's Overlook, a towering hill watched over the town, river, and part of Illinois. KTNT was Muscat- Muscatine's first radio station, and Norm- Norman frequently questioned big businesses over the air. Soon his attacks became more personal. K- KTNT played classical music, local news, and of course, Baker's opinions. He disliked the government and modern advancements and felt everyone was out to get him. Baker was obviously mentally unstable and full of paranoia. After meeting with President Hoover, Norman launched his tabloid, Midwest Free Press, in 1930 with Hoover's support. Previously, in 1929, Baker claimed he had the cure for cancer, despite the fact he lacked any medical training at all. Baker started his 100-bed institute in Muscatine, filled with chiropractors, physicians, and osteopaths. An unlicensed doctor starting his own hospital would be unheard of today, but back in the early 1900s, it would have been easy and probably more common than expected. One of the doctors, and that's in quote quotations, doctors, at the institution was named Harry Hoxie. Mr. Hoxie learned all of his medical training from his father, who was a veterinary surgeon. Well, that's nice. It has been estimated that the facility garnered roughly $450,000 during 1930, which is the equivalent equivalent of roughly $5 million today. Remarka- remarkable for only its first year of business. The institute, the institute was obviously more dangerous than any illness itself. Baker swore against the use of aluminum pots and pans, fluoridation fluoridation of the water, vaccinations, and even testing for tuberculosis over his radio station, bringing in even more business to his cancer hospital. So I'm kind of, just so you guys are aware, um, I am going to go over his history and his story so we can kind of get into, you know, at the end where it gets good where I talk about hauntings just so just bear with me uh I do want to go over his story though so before a crowd before a crowd of 32,000 people at the KTNT radio station Norman Baker operated on a man named Mandis Johnson who supposedly had cancer on the top of his skull Baker treated him only three times with a mixture of spring water watermelon seeds and carbolic acid a mixture he called his magic elixir a concoction that was totally useless as baker surgically removed the top half of johnson's skull the crowd was amazed and appalled after this stunt the authorities shut down the radio station in 1931 the children of eyewitnesses are still around to tell the grisly tale norman fled to nuevo laredo in mexico to avoid arrest and co-opted a radio station XENT with a 100,000 watt transmitter. The authorities managed to shut down the institution in Muscatine as well after the radio station. Oh, excuse me. Um, Norman decided to move all of his patients to the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, a grand, elaborate, elaborate, oh my god, elaborate mansion Norman purchased with his large amount of money. Previously known as the Grand Old Lady of the Ozarks, now the Baker Cancer Hospital, he eerily called it his castle in the sky, reportedly boasting to his employees that he would make millions of dollars from the suckers of the state. 
Norman now had an even bigger facility in the palm of his hand. Decked out with his purple Ford convertible and wearing purple suspenders, Norman painted the walls of his cancer hospital purple and other obnoxious colors and even hung purple curtains. Maybe Norman simply liked the color purple or that it represents royalty and had more of a hidden message for his love of all things expensive, eye-catching, and even shocking. Rumors spread that Norman took advantage of patients when families weren't around, convincing them to sign off money or even their their entire estates in order to receive treatment from him. Wow. Patients were sick, most likely delusional, so this stunt would have been easy. Anyone who walked into his trap was diagnosed with cancer almost every time, increasing the amount of times patients were cured when they really never had cancer at all. Some say there were hundreds of bodies piled in the many funeral homes that operated in the area. The ones who made it past the incinerator at the... Oh, wow. I don't know where I was going with that. So let's reread that. Some say there were hundreds of bodies piled in the many funeral homes that operated in the area. The ones who made it past the incinerator at the cancer hospital. Rumors also spread that Norman collected funeral funds, promising a proper burial for their loved ones, then pocketing the money. I would assume Norman somehow got rid of the bodies by destroying them without the family's knowledge. When Lula and her husband John arrived at the hospital, they were met by a very charismatic Dr. Norman Baker. Other doctors had told the desperate couple that there was nothing nothing else to be done. Lula was dying. They sought out Baker's castle in the air and his miracle treatment, knowing it was Lula's last hope. Dr. Baker assured them that his treatment was the cure they were seeking. He had a 100% success rate, and he was waging a self-described war against the AMA, the American Medical Association, and pushed his alternative medicine. He even claimed the AMA offered him $1 million for his cancer care to keep it off the shelves and force the cancer patients to seek surgery and other treatments. Believing he was leaving his wife in the best of care, John left Lula in Eureka Springs. Unfortunately, the quack treatments didn't work. Lula returned home, and by Christmas, she was dead. Lula was one of the lucky ones. At least she was able to go home. Most of the other patients died at the hands of Baker. However, whenever a patient died, Baker and his staff would whisk their body away in the dead of the night and incinerate them at a later time. The living patients never saw this happen. If a patient disappeared and questions were asked, Baker would simply tell them that they had been cured and sent home. Nothing could be further from the truth. For patients that suffered brain tumors, they were wheeled down into the basement where their skulls were opened and Baker's concoction made into a paste would be smeared on their brain. Patients continued to die and their bodies disappeared, but this did not thwart Baker. He hired more staff, collected more money, and became more paranoid of the AMA. Some patients even claimed he hid machine guns in the walls to protect them from his enemies. So this is a testimony from John Tunis about his wife, Lula. 
She took the needle treatments. She told me it was awful that five or seven needles a day were stuck into her head and they would hold them there until the medicine ran out. She said it didn't do much good. Said she wanted to go home, that she was getting worse. She was in terrible shape when she left the Baker Institute and went down in bed right away. That's so sad. Finally, in 1940, Baker was convicted of mail fraud, something small compared to what he was doing, and sentenced to four years in in a federal penitentiary in Kansas and charged $4,000. Upon finding this information, my heart sank. Norman Baker never really got charged for what he was actually doing. Only four years for killing hundreds and $4,000 owed, which for Norman was simply pocket change. Norman Baker was released after his sentence of four years and attempted to reopen his institute in Muscatine, Iowa. The Iowa Secretary of State would not allow it after the radio incident. Uh, So Norman Baker purchased an elaborate three-story yacht to live happily in Florida for the rest of his years. In the beautiful Florida sun, he never stopped distrusting science, education, Jews, and Catholics, and was overrun by paranoia. Paranoia? Paranoia. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh. As you guys notice, I have trouble saying words all the time. But anyways... Ironically, karma caught up with this, with this, with his wrongdoing in 1958, and he died from what he specialized in, cancer. How miserable it would feel that even your own elixir could not save your life. Harry Hoxie, the employee at the Muscatine Institute of Bakers, who learned his doctoring skills from his veterinary father, also died a Died of cancer in 1974. Norman Norman Baker is now buried at Greenwood Cemetery next to his sister in Muscatine, Iowa. A simple flat granite stone marked Baker Norman is all the remains of the boogeyman of Muscatine. The victims, along with their friends and families, must have breathed a deep sigh of relief when hearing the news that justice was finally served. There would be no more promises of a magic cure, no more scams, and no more Norman Glenwood Baker. Baker caused a significant amount of damage with his promise of curing innocent victims of their terminal illnesses. His magic elixir was nothing more than a mixture of watermelon seed, brown corn silk, alcohol, and carbolic acid. It was completely useless and most likely tastes worse than it sounds. Norman brought only pain and unnecessary suffering to patients that had a great chance at surviving with proper medical treatment, all for money and fame. Along with the damage done physically and financially, Norman Baker caused the mental destruction he left in his path must have been worse. Uh, Norman Baker left a huge impact that was significant for the history of not only muscatine, but to the medical field. How could one man mix a concoction of a few ingredients and get thousands of innocent people to put their full trust in him? 
taking advantage of sick and dying people would not come across a normal person's mind as a way to make money. Baker's scam made him a millionaire, but also showed the humanity of himself and his employees at both of his cancer hospitals. His doctoring more than likely inspired the strict rules and regulations that it takes to become a doctor today. It is appalling that as late as 1930s that something this destructive and evil could happen without anyone stopping Baker. One complaint to the authorities could have led to an investigation and an immediate shutdown of the hospital would have taken place. Norman would have been sent to jail for the rest of his life or to be executed and thousands of people might have been saved. Norman had potential to be a wonderful and talented inventor. His brilliant ideas could have easily made him a millionaire other than his plan to steal money from thousands of families. Norman Baker's father was also an inventor and held hundreds of patents. With the advice from his father, Baker could have excelled in a business he chose. Baker could have done as his father did and work his way to the top with his brilliance, but sadly it did not happen, and Norman piled the lies on his own shoulders. So that is the messed up story of Norm of Norman Baker and his joke of a hospital. Today, the 1886 Crescent Hotel and Spa have many stories of hauntings. I will post a video I seen that you have to kind of slow down the video but you'll see a small person running in front of the phone camera. I actually seen it on TikTok. So I will, I have the video saved. So I'll post it on my Instagram. Uh, so you can see it's kind of creepy. You have to like really watch it and it's towards the end. Uh, but I will post like the regular version and then I'll post the slowed down version. So you guys can see it. Uh, so there, so the, I'm going to talk about who this ghost is that's running in front of the phone camera. So this ghost is known as Brecky and he was only four years old when he died from complications of appendicitis. Shortly after his passing, his mother had done a seance to try and contact her little boy. The hauntings from him consist of bouncing a ball on the second floor off the walls, off the floor and even uh, at the doors. You can also hear him, hear him saying, it's not fair. In the hotel, and many believe he is throwing a tantrum because he can't get a lot of kids to play with him because some can't see him. Brecky has been spotted in the kitchen at times, like he's asking for a snack. You can see him out of the corner of your eyes, but when you go to look where you believe he is, he vanishes and nothing's there. There are also have been reports of kids asking if someone has seen a little boy that was playing with them. One of the more famous ghosts you may encounter is Michael. Michael was an Irish stonemason that fell to his death in 1880 while a hotel was under construction. He was only 17 years old. He died in what is now known as room 218. Many reports of him from guests are that he is quite the trickster he likes to flip the lights on and off, tying knots in the curtains, and unlocking and opening his balcony door. He apparently is known to be a flirtatious spirit and prefers female visitors. Another ghost haunting you can encounter at the Crescent Hotel is Theodora. Theodora was a nurse back when the hotel was known as 
Baker's Cancer Hospital around 1940. When Theodora was living, she would stay in what is now known as Room 419. Today, many guests that stay in Room 419 can hear someone fumbling their keys outside of the door, like someone's trying to get in. There have also been reports of someone folding their clothes when they, like, kind of like we all do. We kind of just throw our stuff, like, sometimes on a bed, you know, if we go to a hotel, we don't necessarily put our stuff away we can just put it on the whole you know on the bed and we'll get back to it later well there have been reports of uh your clothes being folded but no one was there also if theodora if theodora doesn't like you for whatever reason she's she's been able to pack your bags and put them by the door basically wanting you to leave. And it is believed that room 419 is the most haunted room in the hotel. So that is the story of the Baker Cancer Hospital. It is now known as 1886 Crescent Hotel and Spa. Many people like to go there and experience the hauntings for themselves. Uh, yeah, I guess if you're ever out in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, definitely check them out. Or if you're from the area, definitely send me a message with any stories you've had from there. But that is that. that is it for this week's episode. So I will... See you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to Sinister Hauntings. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to help support me, here are some ways you can do that. Leave me a five-star review or rating on wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's on RSS Podcasts, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. This will help other horror fanatics find me. I would love to hear from you, so leave me a message or comment on my post on Instagram at Sinister Hauntings Podcast and follow me there. I also have a TikTok at Sinister Hauntings 
or you can interact with me there. If you are old school and want to email me, you certainly can at sinisterhauntings at gmail.com and let me know how I'm doing or complain, whichever your heart desires. I always appreciate hearing from everyone. I hope you all have a wonderful week and weekend. Tune in next week and thank you again for listening. 